lot of talk about Medicaid expansion. I did send out to the participants of this roundtable kind of a list of questions to kind of get the ball rolling just a little bit. But no action yet on Governor Laura Kelly's expansion plan. What are the goals of Medicaid expansion? What are we trying to achieve? From the Kansas News Service, I'm Jim McLean, and this is Statehouse Blend, Kansas. Governor Kelly signed her first bill on Friday. It authorizes a $115 million payment to CAPERS, the state's retirement plan, to make up for one that the state skipped in 2016 because of money problems. As a budget wonk, I'm pleased that my first bill to sign as governor pays down debt. Again, thank you all for being here, and I will sign Senate Bill 9. Kelly's not as eager to sign a big tax relief bill that could soon be on its way to her desk. Passed by the House this past week, it would tax the online sales of -of out-of-state vendors while trimming the sales tax on food, but only by a penny on the dollar. But its main purpose is to exempt the overseas earnings of some big corporations from state taxes. Kelly wouldn't say if she'll veto the bill because of its roughly $200 million cost, but she repeated concerns about it taking money away from what she believes are higher priorities. Uh, Our prisons are in dire condition. Uh, We've got a child welfare system uh, that needs some serious attention. Uh, We have roads that need to be built and maintained. and we've got state employees who need to be taken care of. Expanding Medicaid eligibility to as many as 130,000 additional Kansans is another of Kelly's priorities. But it's anything but a priority for the Republicans who control the legislature. They're refusing to hold a vote on it. Despite that, the House Health Committee held three days of roundtable discussions on the issue this past week. The conversation, which included state and national experts, produced some sharp differences of opinion. Sarah Collins, a researcher with the Commonwealth Fund, argued Medicaid expansion would benefit both those who gain coverage and the Kansas economy. But Michael Cannon of the Cato Institute, a libertarian think tank, challenged the conventional wisdom that Medicaid improves health outcomes. Uh, What I said is the best evidence we have comes from a randomized controlled study that was done in the state of Oregon. This is the gold standard of this sort of research. And what it found was If you expand Medicaid, really to the most vulnerable people, uh, able-bodied adults under 100% of poverty, giving them Medicaid coverage improved financial security, improved uh, self-reported mental health, and these are outputs, these are very important benefits. But while you would think that Medicaid would also improve physical health outcomes, it saw no difference between the people who got Medicaid and the people who didn't. Uh, They looked at blood sugar, they looked at blood pressure, they looked at cholesterol levels, and these are three uh, health measures where there are highly effective treatments that are low cost and and should have an impact uh, within the two-year time frame of the study, but there was no statistically discernible difference between the people who got Medicaid and the people who didn't. There was a lot of discussion around the table about the cost of expansion, but also the quote-unquote economic benefits of expansion because of all the additional federal dollars that flow into a state. All of these economic benefits are based on just getting more federal money, okay? And when you send more resources to a place, you will see more economic benefits. But that doesn't mean that the money is going to be spent well. It doesn't mean it's going to be put to its highest value use. When advocates of Medicaid expansion are saying, look at all these wonderful benefits, they're not looking at what would it have been used to fund if not the Medicaid expansion. There have been no studies that look at both the benefits and the costs of that spending, which tells you they're not responsible studies and they're not interested in portraying an honest picture of the economic impact of Medicaid expansion. Sarah Collins, the Commonwealth Fund researcher, is an expert on the economic impact of expansion. 
and that's the main reason she was invited to participate in the roundtable discussions. What's the elevator speech in terms of what the economic impact has been? Well, the state's share of the spending is, is going to be 10% next year, um, relative to a 90% match by the federal government. And what states have found is that they're actually able to shift some of their current spending on health care to the federal side of the ledger, which means they actually get savings um, that they wouldn't have gotten without the expansion, and even realizing surpluses um, from their expansions. You highlighted Montana and Michigan today, and Montana, I think, is one of those states where it has expanded Medicaid, and yet it has about a 700 thousand dollar surplus and so in other words those offsetting savings uh, more than pay for the cost of expansion. Is that a correct interpretation? That's correct. Um, because um, Montana was able to stop spending money, for example, on, on their mental health program because people in that program became eligible for Medicaid, found savings that way. The other aspect of this is that the great amount of federal spending that comes into the state um, not only helps the state finance its expansion, it also creates a downstream multiplier economic effect on jobs and income in the state, which also has the effect of increasing state revenues, which further offsets the state costs of Medicaid expansion. Lawmakers also asked Collins to respond to the assertion by Michael Cannon of the Cato Institute that Medicaid expansion wouldn't improve the health of those who gained coverage. She said it's well documented that coverage, whether private insurance or Medicaid, improves access to health care services. Well, we know that Medicaid expansion has improved, significantly improved health care access. So people are getting more health care than they, they did prior to um, the expansions going into effect. There was a new study that came out, too, last fall that indicates that people with end-stage renal disease have lower rates of mortality in the expansion states relative to those in non-expansion states. So it takes a while to document the health effects, um, but we know that people are getting health care. They're more likely to have physicians. They're more likely to fill their prescription meds, um, and they're more likely to get care to take care of their chronic health problems. Sarah Collins of the Commonwealth Fund, and before that, Michael Cannon of the Cato Institute. We thank them both. With the session now past the halfway point, lawmakers will spend more time focusing on the budget and the always thorny issue of school finance, specifically how to once and for all reach a funding level that the Kansas Supreme Court deems adequate. The court said lawmakers came close last year but needed to account for inflation. So Governor Kelly has proposed doing just that. And Mark Tallman, the lead lobbyist for Kansas school boards, told lawmakers they could end years of litigation by going along. This really should be seen as a, as a reasonable way of getting back to the level where I think there's wide agreement we were constitutional. But there's a new complication. A coalition of school districts is questioning the administration's math and asking for more, a lot more. The governor says her proposal to increase funding by another $360 million over four years is what the State Department of Education recommended, and so she's sticking with it. And facing a mid-April deadline, it also appears that's as much as most lawmakers are willing to spend. This is State House Blend Kansas in Topeka. I'm Jim McLean. Statehouse Blend Kansas is a production of the Kansas News Service, a collaboration of public radio stations across the state. Thanks to reporter Stephen Caranda for catching Governor Kelly's first bill signing. We cover health, education, and politics all throughout the week. Find our stories at ksnewsservice.org. I'm Amy Jeffries, editor of the Kansas News Service, and this podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen. You can help other people find Statehouse Blend by leaving a rating or review. 
Our theme song is also known as Warm Evening by Nameless Dancers. We found it in Free Music Archive. <laughs>